Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. We're in a series called Ghosted. It's a study on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit. He's already here. He's already working in hearts. He's already tearing down walls. That's what he does. But I just want collectively this moment in unity. You know, on the day of Pentecost, and this is the day of Pentecost, it says they were all gathered together in one mind and one accord. And let's pray with one mind and one accord. And this is why I want us to pray. Holy Spirit, have your way in me. I want all that you have for me. If you're far from Jesus today, he wants a relationship with you. If you're on the fence and you're wondering what all that is, he has more for you. You can, oh my goodness, you can spend eternity seeking God to to know God and you'll still never scratch the surface of God. He has more for you. So let's just pray in unity. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. We thank you for your presence that is clearly here. We thank you that you're already working. But God, we want everything you have for us. Lord, there are people from so many different backgrounds represented in this room and that are going to watch online. And I pray that that your word will bring clarity and intimacy to Jesus in this moment. Holy Spirit, do your work in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Good morning. Again, it's a good morning. It's a good morning. I got to tell you, God's going to do something today. And, you know, it's interesting because sometimes we have expectations of what a move of God looks like. We have expectations about how God's going to do things based on our past circumstances, right? We, like, we have expectations that when we, we flip a switch on the wall that a light bulb's going to come on, right? And, and what's cool about God, though, is when God does something, it's not always how we expect. I remember when I was growing up that I would come down to the altar and pray, and I honestly didn't think God was working on me until I just had snot and tears running down my face. That was the expectation because I I associated emotions with the move of God. Now, um, our emotions apart sometimes, but I think that sometimes a move of God is when we just have those epiphany moments when you're reading scripture and something jumps off the page and you're like, what? That's just as a profound move of God when you're reading the Bible as as those snotty, I would argue, maybe more profound. Um, And and what I'm getting at is God's going to do something today. And the proof of it is actually not today. Now, if God wanted to send down tongues of fire, I'm, I'm chill with that. That would be awesome. But 
I think the proof of it is this coming week. So I'm going to give you two thoughts and a challenge today. I want to be reading a portion of scripture out of Acts chapter 1. And we're going to be reading a lot of scripture out of Acts chapter 2. And Acts chapter 2, 1 through, um, I want to say 41. I'm actually not going to have it up on the screen. Hopefully you brought your Bible. If you didn't, like I've, I've conditioned you guys, well, he's going to put it up on the screen. Yeah, I didn't today because I'm going to read it um, out of the Word of God instead of the screen. So I'm sorry for that. But it's Acts chapter 2, 1 through 41, and then Acts chapter 1. And we're going to be, we're going to be looking at 4 through 11. So let's just jump into Acts chapter 1, 4 through 11, and that's going to be right up here on the screen. Once when he was eating with them, so I want to set the, the tone. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's been walking around. He's been popping into rooms unannounced. He's been <laughs> going through, I mean, like, he's been showing up all over Galilee and Jerusalem, and he was eating with them. So it's a resurrected Lord in his glorified body. He's eating with them. And he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Remember last week, he said, it's good that I go that my Father would send the advocate or the comforter or the helper or the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is saying, don't leave Jerusalem until the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes. So we pick up in John chapter 5, or Acts, verse 5. John baptizes, this is John the Baptist, with water. So this, remember, John's message was repent and turn from sin and be saved. That was John's message. And he baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's a different baptism. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They're still caught up on this earthly kingdom thing. Like, they're still thinking that Jesus is going to set it up right then and there, and he's trying to help them understand that it's a kingdom of the heart. One day he will have a physical kingdom on this earth, but first he's going to establish his kingdom in the heart, the kingdom of God. And, and they don't truly understand it until the Holy Spirit comes. Remember, he leads us to all truth. And this is what Jesus replied. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. He's saying, quit asking, that's above your pay grade. Sometimes we need to get that. We're like, God, why did this happen? Why, did, why am I going through this? Quit asking, that's above your pay grade. There's nothing wrong with asking. I'm just telling you, you might not get an answer. They didn't get one. And then we pick up in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So this is how Jesus responds to, when are you going to set up your kingdom? How are you going to do this? What are you going to do? When is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are going to be established? And he said, 
No one knows the time or dates, but this is what you do need to know in response to that question. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is, uh, this is kind of like the commission out of Acts. There's a commission going to all the world and, and, and preach the gospel in Mark. There's a commission to make disciples and preach the gospel in Matthew. And, and, but this is kind of Luke's commission to the church. And the, every commission that God gives, there, there is this empowerment, and then there is this charge. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit is on you. I would argue that the Holy Spirit was already in them because they believed in Jesus. And you will be my witnesses everywhere. Sometimes I've heard it preached in Jerusalem, that means like our local area, and then um, throughout Judea, that means kind of like our region, and then Samaria would be like our nation, and then the world would be like the earth. I've heard that preached a lot, but I, I would argue actually that's wrong. Because all the, everyone's like, oh, I've heard that preached my whole life that way. How dare you say all those preachers are wrong? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, that's my opinion, and here's why. All the disciples at this point, <laughs> so Judas was the only one that wasn't a Galilean. All the other disciples were not from Jerusalem. So when Jesus said, in Jerusalem, they were already in a mission field, because that's not where their home was. Throughout Judea. And then in Samaria. So what he's saying is, no matter what you do with the gospel, it's a mission field. It's a mission field. If you grew up in Columbia, that's your mission field. If you go to Florida on vacation, that's your mission field. You, know, you, you get what I'm saying? He's not saying, well, first we've got to establish a base of operation here. No, he's saying wherever you go, you have power to share the gospel. You have power to share the gospel when the Holy Spirit's on you. Well, let's keep going. After saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising to heaven, two wide robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. I love that. I threw that in because so often that's kind of where we land is God will give us a charge, but we stand there looking up in the sky thinking, what should we do now? And God has sent two angels to say, do what he said. Like, why are you standing here looking into heaven? Go do what he said. Go wait in Jerusalem. Go wait. Some of us want this step-by-step -step plan, but really what God's wanting us to do is to do the next thing he told us to do. What was the next thing for them to do? Go wait in Jerusalem. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And that was their, that was their next task. Just go wait. Go wait. Go obey. And then we pick up. We, um, if you want to read the rest of Acts chapter 1, they basically kind of, uh, they kind of do some business. They replace Judas. 
they, 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 they fill in their ranks, and um, they're waiting in Jerusalem. It's said that 500 people saw Jesus ascend, but only 100, 120 people were waiting in Jerusalem. And they were, in the meantime, they were praying. What do we do when we wait? How do we wait matters? How we wait matters. Like we, we, we heard a couple weeks ago about Hannah, when she was waiting, she brought it to God. She prayed. And they were praying. They were seeking God in the meantime in unity. That's why, man, the Lord's just really laid on my heart. We got to pray. We got to pray. That's why the first and third Wednesdays, starting in June, we're going to have nights of prayer. And we're going to see God do something in this church and in this community through those nights. It's going to pave the way for a move of God the city has not seen. And, and this region has not seen. I'm telling you, God's pouring out a spirit. And so... We're going to get into Acts chapter 2. They wait in Jerusalem for approximately 14 days. And on the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago, so today's the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. And so we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly... There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation in Jerusalem. The reason why there are three festivals that Jews came to Jerusalem for, the Passover being one of them, and then approximately 50 days later, the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest which or the Feast of Pentecost. That's what Pentecost means. It, it's... It's the feast where people would come back to Jerusalem and celebrate the harvest that God has blessed them with. That's what Pentecost means, harvest. So that's why there were so many Jews from every nation in Jerusalem. It was one that they were supposed to come to Jerusalem to celebrate. In verse 6, when they heard the loud noise and everyone came running, they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, um, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia. Um, Phrygia, Palimphia, Egypt, and Areas of Libya, Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God's done. I'm just going to take a breath. I can't believe I just read that many big words. <laughs> Woo! 
They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. By, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. I'm telling you, whenever God starts to move in your life, there are going to be people that are going to be like, whoa, that is clearly God. And there's going to be people that are going to be like, you're off your rocker. You're, whenever God starts to move, there's always going to be critics. There will always be critics. When, when God tells you to do something and it looks crazy, sometimes your own family will criticize you. But your job isn't to worry about the critics. Your job is to be obedient to the Spirit. Mm. Then Peter stepped then Peter stepped forward with the other 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd. Once again, I can relate to Peter. I feel like I'm always shouting. I get excited. It's my excited voice. Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning as it is much too early for that. No. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and the clouds of uh, blood and uh, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He goes on in verse 22, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing powerful miracles and wonders and signs through him, as you well know. <clears throat> but God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of the lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep its grip on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. King, oh man, that gets me excited. <laughs> death couldn't keep his grip on Jesus. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me, and I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead, or allow the Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. And then in verse 29, Peter continues, Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself. For he died and is buried and his tomb is still here among us today. But he was a prophet and he knew God had promised with the oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne forever. David was looking into the future and speaking about the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead 
and we are all witnesses to this. Now he is exalted to the place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see here today. For David himself never ascended to heaven. Yet, he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. And in 36, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him to the, and to the other apostles, Brothers, what must we do? I want you guys to repeat that. Say it. What must we do? We need to pay attention to Peter. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and, he, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the gift, forgiveness of your sin. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children and those who are far away. He's not just talking geographically. He's talking um, um, chronologically, those who are far away. It was for everyone living on earth at that time, and it's for every person that's going to come after that time. Those who are far away. All who have been, all who have call, been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe Peter uh, what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Who? It's a lot of scripture. That's a lot to go through. That's, but I wanted to get the context of what we're going to talk about today. Today is Pentecost. Today marks the day where God sent the Holy Spirit to fall upon the believers in power. And there's so much taboo and baggage when it comes to this. Because if you're coming in from a different denomination, you might have um, baggage or understanding. Let's just look at what the Bible says. And if, you're, if, you're, if you were raised in a Pentecostal denomination, you might think you have it all figured out. And I would say that's wrong too. Let's look at what the Bible says. And maybe you're far from God and you're like, what does this, all this mean to begin with? Well, let's look at it. I asked uh, several ministers and missionaries alike this week um, this question. When you hear the word Pentecost, what's the first thing you think of? Fire? That was one of the answers, actually. Um, I got answers like speaking in tongues. I got answers like, when I hear the word Pentecost, the first thing I think of is upper room. That's what I think about because that's um, where it happened. That, that was my thing. 
I heard um, falling tongues of fire. I heard um, a transition. I thought that was a really cool answer. Um, like it marked a transition in, in relationship with God and also in, in how the church moved forward. It was a transition moment. And, but at the end of the day, I, I, I made myself wonder, what does God think about when he thinks about Pentecost? Because Pentecost has not been, <laughs> we've kind of taken ownership, Pentecostals, like, oh, that's, like, that's part of our name. But God established Pentecost long before the, this happening in the book of Acts. And it was, a, it was a feast that Jews would come and celebrate year in and year out, approximately 50 days after Passover. And it was a feast to celebrate the goodness of God and bringing in the harvest. Now, God was very strategic because what better day to pour out his spirit than the day that they celebrate the harvest? Because, you know, throughout the Gospels, Jesus said, pray to the God of the harvest for workers, that he might send workers to, to, to bring in the harvest. And in fact, after he was talking to the Samaritan woman, he was talking about the harvest. He said, open your eyes. The harvest is ready. You haven't even planted it, but man, you're just going to get to reap it. God always talks about the harvest in, in, in the sense of, of, of us going into the world and preaching the gospel. And so Pentecost he just transitioned Pentecost from a physical harvest to plants where they celebrated, thank you, God, for this harvest of wheat or whatever, they figs, stuff like that, to harvest of souls. And sometimes we, we, we wrongly divide things or define things because, now, none of these definitions are wrong because I asked them what they thought. I'm not saying any of them are wrong, but sometimes we get this idea and, and, and not question, what does God think about this? With that said, God was very strategic about why. Because the Holy Spirit is all about bringing people to Jesus. Like, we established the Holy Spirit's a member of the Trinity last week. And Jesus, God the Father he wants a relationship with us. And Jesus came and died to bring us to the Father so we can have a relationship with the Father. He paid a debt we couldn't pay. He paid a debt of sin to God. Well, the Holy Spirit's job is to bring us to Jesus who brings us to the Father. And Jesus always glorifies the Father and the Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus. And when you think about it in context of even the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and the wind, the sound of the mighty wind, it got people's attention. People started running to, towards the upper room. And then when they started speaking in other tongues, even that, it was a work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of the 3,000 that heard. They were like, what is this? Even then, the Holy Spirit was drawing people to Jesus. And then the message that Peter preached was about bringing people into relationship with Jesus. And at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus and our relationship with him. So with that said, we read two sections of scripture, Acts 1 and Acts 2. 
And God gave us a charge. He gave us a charge. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's a heavy load. And you can't do it in your own strength. Acts 1.8 says you will receive power. That word there for power is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's an explosive power that the Holy Spirit gives us to preach the gospel. And Jesus refers to the second baptism. And we believe the initial physical evidence of the second baptism is speaking in tongues. With that said, the first thought I want to give you, and let this encourage you, but God will always equip you for what he asks of you. He will. It might still be hard, but God equips you for what he asks of you. He told them to go and preach, and then he equipped them with the power to do so. If you just look at the Peter before the day of Pentecost, and the actually look at Peter and the other 11 apostles before the day of Pentecost, and then you look at them after the day of Pentecost. Let, let's just think about it. The night Jesus was betrayed, let's just go back to Gethsemane for just one moment. We have Peter like making claims like, I'll never betray you. I'll die with you, God. And then he pulls out a sword, cuts off a servant's ear. He's going to town. And then when he gets questioned by a little slave girl, he's like, I don't know him. And then he calls down curses on himself. He's like, God, curse me if I'm wrong. Like he, He's like standing his ground. I don't know Jesus. I don't want any part of that. Because he sees the treatment. Like he gets scared. We have Mar John, like one of the apostles, in the garden. They grab his robe, and he gets away. They're tr like he's trying. Like we have apostles running out of Gethsemane, butt naked, trying to get away. Like all of them disperse. Go read it. It's crazy. Like why would they put that in there? Because it's true, and um, they embarrass themselves throughout the Gospels, and the apostles do, and. At the end of the day, they're hiding. They're afraid. And they were with Jesus for three and a half years. He poured into them. He had conversations with them. They had revelation from God. Um, Peter, James, and John saw the glorified Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, and yet they're still hiding. Yet they're still denying. Yet they're, I mean, like, I'm, I want you to understand this. Did they have a relationship with Jesus? Yeah. And yet they were afraid. And then the day of Pentecost came. Even after, even after Jesus restored Peter, they're in the upper room, waiting and hiding. Then the day of Pentecost came. The Holy Spirit came, just like what Jesus promised, just like what he, what he said he would do. And it says, Peter stand, stood up with the eleven and proclaimed. He equipped them for what he asked of them. And then from that moment, in 200 years, Christianity became the dominant world religion. Think about that. 
from 120 within an hour, it grew to 3,000 because they leaned into the power of the Holy Spirit on them. And it was all about bringing people to Jesus. You will receive power to be witnesses. He didn't say you'll receive power to speak in tongues. That's a gift. It's an overflow. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. But he said you'll receive power to be witnesses. God has so much more for you. He has so much more for you than than what we could even ask, think, or imagine, what he has available to believers today. And we just, we, we so often don't even lean into or scratch the surface of what God has for us. And as your pastor, I want us to lean into everything God has for us. Let's not hold back in our pursuit. God equips us. God wants us to reach Columbia. He wants us to reach Spring Hill, Kolioka, Santa Fe. He wants us to make an impact in this region for the kingdom of God. And he is equipping us. He has equipped us. It's available, this power. And it's not just power to preach the gospel, but think about the miracles that Jesus did. In Mark, it, it talks about how that everywhere the gospels preached, Miracles and signs and wonders follow because of the Holy Spirit working through people. He says um, um, in, in Mark 16, it talks about that, that we'll cast out demons, we'll heal the sick. That's not because I'm a Christian. That's because the Holy Spirit's on me because I'm a Christian. And, and God has so much more for us, but we, we stand back. We, we want to... We kind of want a vacation in those moments of power and might. And then we're like, oh, I'm going to go back home where I'm comfortable and safe. When you walk in step with the Holy Spirit, it might look scary to the world, but that's the safest place you could be. Satan wants you to stay in your comfort zone. Satan wants you to think, oh, at least I don't look weird over here. I, I, I'm safe over here. I look normal over here. But faith doesn't. Holy Spirit doesn't look the way we think normal looks. But supernatural is normal to God. We want to have a supernatural life. we got to be willing to not look normal to the world. Because God's normal does not look like the world's normal. And the Holy Spirit, a life with the Holy Spirit on you does not look like a life without it's different, and it's powerful, and when the Holy Spirit is on you, supernatural things overflow out of a relationship with Jesus. That's just what it does, because God always equips you for what he asks of you. So if he's asking you to share your faith at work, if you can't shake that person, that's whatever, that means God's going to make a an appointment, he's going to make the stars line up for you to do that because God will equip you for what he's asked of you. And you might still feel unqualified, and that's good. Because none of us are qualified to do what God asks of us, and yet he still chooses to use us anyways. And that's why he pours his spirit out on us so we can do it because we can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. The second thought. 
I want to I want to leave with you. This was God's plan from the start. God from the start, from the moment of creation, he always intended to pour his spirit out on us. He didn't he wasn't just con, content with being amongst his people. Because in the Old Testament, if you, if you remember, that he, he did dwell amongst his people. The tabernacle was right in the middle of his people. But he was still in one place at one time. At that moment. Because that's where his glory dwelt. But then, Jesus came. And while he was on earth... He was in one spot at one time. God always wanted to be in close proximity to his people. Always. But through Christ, he's not just in close proximity to you. He's in you. And he's on you. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. This was God's plan. He he wants such intimacy with his people. He wasn't content with being in a tent in the Old Testament. He wasn't content with having a flesh and blood body in the New Testament. He wanted to have such intimacy with you that he could put thoughts in your mind. That that he could literally direct your steps. Not that he couldn't do that before, but now it's... The Holy Spirit, the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. The Spirit of the living God lives in us as believers of Christ. And then he falls on us through the power to give us power to be witnesses. And he wants that for us. This was his plan from the start. He has so much more for us than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. It's his plan. And I, I can't speak for you. I can't I can pray for you, and I do. You know what I pray for us? And I throw myself in this prayer. I'll tell you, I pray that God gives us everything He wants us to have and that we receive it. Because if God wants me to have it, then I want it. If God has a gift for me, then I want it. I want it. But the trick is, so often we can get caught up in this pursuit of the gifts of God that we miss how to get them. We miss how to get them. And it gets frustrating. I want everything God has for you as your pastor. I want you to walk in all the authority God has for you. I want you to walk in all the anointing God has for you. I want you to just experience the presence of God like you've never experienced in your life. Each day I want it to be new. Each day I want it to be fresh. Each day I want it to be deeper. I want that for myself. I want that. But the question is, really, how do you get that? Because you don't get the baptism of the Holy Spirit by just going, God, give me the baptism. God, like, it, there's not a formula to it. Like these gifts, discernment and prophecy, healing, and all the things that the Holy Spirit gives us, 
are great and they're gifts, and God wants to give them to us. But what do we do? And I, I think the question we need to ask is the same question that we repeated earlier. Throw it up. What should we do? These people, hearing the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, hearing this message about Jesus and the gospel, they asked one question because the Holy Spirit was working on their hearts. It said Peter's words pierced their heart. They said, what should we do? And Peter responded. I'm going to paraphrase. Go after Jesus. He didn't say, go do this, 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 and this. He didn't say, um, oh, well, you need to ask God for the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say any of that. He said, repent and believe in Jesus. And I think that's where the fatal flaw is. In so many churches, we go after the gifts and then we abandon our pursuit of the giver. And what's so sad about this is if we just go after the giver, he's not wanting to hold anything back. If we just go after Jesus, he'll give you the precise gift for the precise moment right when you need it. And so if you're if you're here today and and you never experienced this second baptism that Jesus is talking about in Acts chapter 1, and you're like, oh, I didn't really grow up with this or whatever, and, but I do want everything God has for me. My answer to you is go after Jesus. Just go after him. Say, God, I want more of you. Uh, read his word. Just, go, just whatever you can do to cultivate intimacy with Jesus. And, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Because the Holy Spirit always draws intimacy to Christ. Go after Jesus. And if you're here and you grew up in this denomination, in, in Pentecostalism and all that stuff, and you're, you're frustrated and you're like, God, I want to be used by you and I want these gifts active in my life and all that stuff. Uh, go after Jesus. He's the baptizer. He's the giver. It's him. Go after him. Pursue him. He's the gift giver. What should we do? As a church, what should we do? We need to go after Jesus with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. We got to go after Jesus. We want to move of God in this town. We want to move a God in, in this region. We got to go after Jesus. We got to lay down petty stuff and go after Jesus and let the Holy Spirit draw intimacy. And before you know it, guess what? Those things that we so often pursue over Christ that are good things to pursue, God gives them to us. Not because we pursued them, but because we pursued the giver. And he gives them to us right at the right moment. He gives them to us right when we need them. It's not like I'm walking. I've shared stories with you of walking downtown. And different times. One night I was out with my wife, 
and we were walking past these two girls sitting on a picnic table outside Mule Town. And as I just started talking, because it was cold, I said, where is your coat? And, and the Lord started telling me that this girl over here that's from Seattle is struggling with um, suicidal depression because her family has abandoned her. And like, I did not walk into that walking up to them. I, I wasn't thinking, oh, that person is str-. like the Lord just started putting that. So I just stepped out of faith and I started sharing that gift of knowledge with her. And it was a moment like I don't walk around thinking I know his mail, his mail, her mail. I, I don't do that. But the Holy Spirit in the moment gave me the gift of knowledge. There are other times I prayed for a veteran who had an arm injury from Iraq, and the Lord healed him on the spot. And I actually bumped into him a couple weeks ago at the barber, and that was two years ago. And he said, dude, you prayed with me downtown. My arm is still healed. And I'm like, well, I didn't do anything. But the Lord healed that guy in the moment. And what I'm getting at is I didn't walk downtown saying, God, I want, to, I want the gift of healing. I want the gift of knowledge. I didn't do that. What I, what I pray is, God, I need more of you. I need you, Jesus. Man, I need Jesus not to walk downtown but to get out of bed. I need Jesus to walk into Walmart. I need Jesus to walk into this empty church. We got to go after Jesus. Peter told them, repent, receive Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit. Then you will. It's the overflow because the Holy Spirit's job is to bring intimacy with Jesus. What I've discovered in walking with the Spirit of God is that along the way, he makes a way then leads the way to the way. I'm going to read that again because there's a lot of ways in it. But what I've discovered in walking with the Spirit of God, First Thessalonians says, when we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Like, our whole walk with Jesus is by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's... It's the Holy Spirit in us. And what I've discovered by walking with the Holy Spirit is that along the way, he makes a way, then leads the way to the way. That way being Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. But the Holy Spirit leads us to the way so we can get to the Father. And today, I'm just, I'm going to do something different. If you're here today, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we read what Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. And I believe that not only did it pierce the words, the hearts of those who heard it then, I believe it pierced some hearts today and that there are people in here that need a relationship with Jesus. And it's as simple as, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. Forgive me of my sins. Come be Lord of my life. And then the Holy Spirit 
comes. But there's also people in here that I believe that they want all that God has for them. And I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. If you, if you need a relationship with Jesus, I want to be up here. And if you don't and you just need prayer, I want to be up here. Maybe you just want someone to pray with you. But I, I'm, I'm just going to let there be some awkward silence as we seek God. You know, what's interesting, I imagine that on the, the day of Pentecost, 120 didn't have a sound system playing ambient noise in the background. They, didn't, they probably didn't have worship music piped in to set the mood for the spirit to show up. He just did. Because people were hungry and they said, God, I want you. And I believe this church is hungry. And God wants to do something in you. And if, if, you, if you need prayer, I'm, I'm just going to be right up here. I would love to pray with you. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. But I think what we need to do as a congregation, maybe we just need to sit in silence and say, God, what do you want from me? Maybe we just need to say, God, break down the walls around my heart. Lord, I'm wrestling with this. Give me understanding. Give me understanding. And that's okay. Because guess what? If you need to pray that prayer, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that in the course of this week, as we determine in our heart to go after Jesus, I believe that on the way to work, one day, people are going to just start speaking in tongues. You're like, where did that come from? What in the world? As you're praying for lost people and you run out of words and the Holy Spirit is just like, I got you. As we seek Jesus, he pours out his spirit. He's the baptizer. And then he equips us for the task at hand. I believe that there's going to be a renewed power within this church because we're going after Jesus. And he's like, now that's where I want to pour my spirit. So, if you need Jesus, I'm going to be here. If you need prayer, I'm going to be here. But I would ask us to truly say, God, I want all what you have for me. And let's pursue Jesus just for a moment. Let, let's let the Holy Spirit work in our hearts. Jesus. We need a fresh outpouring of your spirit on us. We need you, Jesus. We need the spirit and power to be witnesses to this generation. Lord, so we can stand up like Peter and the eleven to be all that you have us to be in this generation. We need a fresh outpouring, God. Have your way in us. Have your way in your church. Holy Spirit, empower us to be the church in this generation. Empower us, God. We need you. We need you, Jesus.
We need you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like someone needs to hear, you're not disqualified. You're not disqualified from a relationship with God. You're not disqualified from being used by God. He has a purpose and a plan on your life. And there's no... That's what he told me yesterday, and I feel like it's so true today. There's no door that he won't open to get you to walk in his will. There's no mountain that he won't level to get you to walk with him. There's no valley that he won't pull you out of. You're not disqualified because God wants to use you. God wants to go before you, and God is with you. You're not disqualified. You don't get to do that. Father, I just praise your name. I pray for your church. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. We don't just need... God, we don't need you to give us a tingly feeling on a Sunday morning. We need you to, to, to help us pound the pavement to grow your kingdom so that we speak life and love into those people around us that are far from you. We need you to be the church in the last days to see the harvest come in. We need you, God. Lord, I'm so sick of, of pretending church on Sunday type of stuff in the church today. We need fire to fall on us to be the church in the world so they can see it, your bride bright and beautiful and spotless. We need you, Jesus. Go before us, Jesus, this week. I pray for every person that is going to go after you that you meet them right where they're at along the way along the way make a way lead the way to the way jesus holy spirit do your work in us every single one of us we want all that you have for us nothing more nothing less we need you, and we thank you for what's going to come out of it. We thank you that you're going to glorify your name in this generation once again. We thank you for the revival that's going to sweep this nation once again. Oh, we thank you, God, for the souls that are going to be saved. Oh, God, we thank you for the change that's going to be made. We thank you, Lord God, for the generation that's going to rise up. Oh, God, we thank you for what you're doing and what you're about to do. And Lord, we just pray that we get to be a part of it. Glorify your name in our hearts. Glorify your name in this place. Glorify your name as we walk out of here and we pursue you in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's go after Jesus this week and let's see what happens. I love you guys.